Let's go to our second scripture reading. Uh, you can find it in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 23 through 25, Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1501, 1501. Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Thus ends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it find faith in the good news of the kingdom. Now I know there's been some confusion this year as to when Advent begins, and for that I apologize. Um, originally I had thought it started today, but that is not the case. Advent will begin next Sunday. So starting next week, we're going to take a hiatus from the book of Matthew and prepare, as we prepare our hearts for the, for the incarnation of our Lord. But I, I also have to confess that, that I'm secretly glad that we have one more week in the Gospel of Matthew because the, the, our text for today really brings us to the conclusion of one section and it also introduces the next. And it's just a better place to stop than where we were at last Sunday. For when we, when we look at Matthew 4, particularly in verses 12 through 25, we, we see the ministry strategy of our Lord. In verses 12 through 17, Jesus preached a message of repentance and that the kingdom of heaven was near. So we see that Jesus began his earthly ministry with a message. He starts with the word of God. And this is where all ministry begins, with the proclamation of Scripture. And then in verses 18 through 22, we, we, we saw that our Lord called his disciples, commanding them to follow him. He was going to take these fishermen and turn them into fishers of men. To those whom the message has reached, to those whom God has chosen, they become disciples of Christ, learning from Him. This, this calling for those who believe, it was a calling to join in the work that He was doing. And this should be the goal of every church. And finally, our passage for today in verses 23 through 25, we see Jesus moving about from town to town, once again proclaiming this message, while at the same time training his disciples. He was, he was taking his disciples with him, allowing them to witness his ministry firsthand. 
And so we, we see this pattern. The proclamation of God's word, the calling of disciples, and then going out, training those disciples. And when you look at, at our church's mission statement, you'll find the same thing. Our church exists to introduce people to Jesus Christ and to train those who already know him. We introduce people to Jesus by proclaiming that message of repentance and of the kingdom. And then we, we take those people, those who have saving faith, those who are called by our Lord, and we, we train them to do what we are doing. This is the model of ministry that Jesus had set forth from the beginning. And it is the model of ministry that you, if you are a disciple of Christ, are commanded to follow. Now what we, what we see in our text for today, in, the, in these last three verses, is kind of a summary, if you will, of what is about to take place. Matthew was setting the stage, so to speak, for the stories that we're about to follow. In the first part of verse 23, we see that Jesus would teach and preach the good news. And then in the following verses, he would heal the sick and cast out demons. So we see the words of Christ and the works of Christ. And then in the following chapters, we see this very thing taking place. In chapters 5 through 7, we see the words of Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. And then in chapters 8 and 9, we see the works of our Lord as he healed many, performed miracles, and cast out demons. All this to say what Matthew is doing in this passage is preparing the reader for what is about to come. He is telling his audience that Jesus truly is the Messiah and that Christ has proven to be this king through both his words and his works. Let's look at this in more detail. Verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. If you recall, Jesus was from Galilee, and he had begun his ministry in Capernaum. Yet after he called his first disciples, he began to move out further into the region of Galilee. From the recorded histories that we have from Josephus, we know that the region of Galilee had 204 towns and villages. Now, we, we don't know if Jesus visit, visited all of these places or not, but if he did, it would have taken him over a year to do so. Suffice it to say, Jesus was a busy man, always on the move, taking advantage of the public forum that these synagogues provided. You see, in the, in the everyday life of, a, of the first century Jew, the, the synagogue was a, was a vital institution. It wasn't just a place that people would, would go to on the Sabbath. No, the synagogue was a, a community, much like the church is today. In fact, when you, when, you, when you look at how the church is structured, it has been modeled after the synagogue. 
The building itself was placed in a prominent spot in the town, either at, at its highest point on a hill or, or near a river or a lake. And it would have this, this tall pole allowing for the whole town to know of its presence. And now in, in every town, there were, there, there were typically ten elders who would oversee these synagogues. These were ma ma mature men of upstanding character who held various responsibilities. Some were, were known as the ruling elders. And these men, they, they would settle the disputes concerning family life and, and community life. Another was known as the, the angel of the ecclesia. He was God's messenger, so to speak, overseeing the services held during the week. There were also the theological teachers. And they, they would train both the men and the boys in the word of God as men were expected to be the spiritual leaders of their families. Another of the elders would be known as the interpreter. Knowing the, the Hebrew language, he would, he would be the person that would translate the scripture as it was being read for the people. He would translate it from the original Hebrew into either Aramaic or Greek, depending on the setting. And these men, they, they, they would hold services in the synagogues on the second, the fifth, and the seventh day of the week. And at each service, there would be a reading of the law and then a reading of the prophets. One of the elders would, would lead them in a prayer, followed by a response from the people. And finally, there would be an exposition of one of the texts that had been read. So we see expository preaching was, was a method that was used for rightly handling God's word. And, and this is key, if there was ever a visiting rabbi, he would be given the honor of preaching the word. And so this is what we see Jesus doing as he traveled throughout Galilee. He would teach and preach in these synagogues about the good news of the kingdom. He was, he was granted an audience wherever he went. And the theme of his sermons, no matter the text, was the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, he was a gospel preacher. He was, he was declaring that the, that the rule of God had finally arrived, and he was the king. This was indeed good news. What you have to, what you have to remember is that, that these were a people who for centuries had cruel taskmasters. In fact, for roughly 700 years, they had been a people under the heavy hands of others. Ever since Nebuchadnezzar took them captive to Babylon, they had little to no freedom. And now they were under the control of Rome. They were an oppressed people looking for a Messiah. They were living in a land of the shadow of death. But light had dawned, and this Jesus brought them a message of hope. But it wasn't just his preaching. That wasn't the only thing that excited these people, for, for he was healing them of every disease and every sickness. Verses 24 and 25. 
news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to, brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now we move on from the words of Christ to the works of Christ. And news about his miracles spread far and wide. At that time, Syria was a Roman province that, that geographically covered the lands of Judea, Galilee, and beyond. If you looked at a map today, it would contain the areas of Israel, modern Syria, Lebanon, and parts of Turkey and Iraq. So this was a vast area consisting of both Jews and Gentiles. And we can see from our text that there were, there were large crowds gathering to him, not only from Galilee, but from the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan. Places like Jerusalem and Judea were, were home to the Jews. However, the Decapolis and the region across the Jordan were populated by mostly Gentiles, As Matthew's consistently done throughout his gospel, ever since the, the genealogy in chapter 1, he, he has been making a point that Jesus' kingdom expands beyond the borders of Israel and into the Gentile world. The kingdom of God may have begun with the Jews, but it didn't end there. Jesus came to save all people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Now, as Jesus was going about his ministry, he, he, he generated a lot of buzz wherever he went. How many of you watch golf? See, very little hands. There's a few of you out there. How many of you know who Tiger Woods is? I think that's almost everybody. Well, like it or not, Tiger is the face of golf. And when Tiger is in a tournament, tickets sell out. Even though the price for those tickets are generally doubled or even sometimes tripled. And whenever Tiger is playing, the TV ratings jump 93%. And if he's in contention, that is, if, if he is atop the leaderboard, that number jumps to 150%. Now, if you've ever watched an event, you would have noticed that large crowds of people follow this man around the golf course. And every time he makes a great shot, there is this roar that, that, that rings out from the gallery. Every time he hits that birdie putt, the whole golf course knows about it. This is, is the buzz that the, the greatness of one man can generate. And all of this from a person who plays golf. Think about that. <laughs> now, think about a man who could heal the sick, cast out demons, open the eyes of the blind, 
Make the deaf to hear. And oh, by the way, he was also the greatest preacher to ever live. The following behind Jesus would have put the crowds chasing Tiger Woods to shame. Remember, these, these were people who were, who were looking for hope in a, in a land of hopelessness. And along comes this man who, who claimed to be the king, preaching a message of salvation and backing it up by demonstrating his power over the ills of this world. He healed every sickness. He took away every disease. Jesus was a king who was gaining an army. And he was advancing across the land, taking back what was rightfully his. He was a dangerous, dangerous man. And as we'll see later in this gospel, it, was, it would not go unnoticed by the religious leaders coming out of Jerusalem. Now, when we see these miracles that came from the hand of our Lord, we also have to ask the question, why? Why all the healings? Why cast out those demons? There were really four things that these miracles did. First, they, they, they were demonstrations that Jesus was who he claimed to be. The, the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. In our first scripture reading, we, we read of the servant of the Lord. Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7 say this. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. We see something similar in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for, for the captives and released from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You see, Jesus was fulfilling what was foretold of the coming Messiah. These miracles gave credence to his claim as king. His pro proclamation of the good news did so as well. But there, was, but there was more to it than that. These signs also gave credibility to that message that he was preaching. As we continue our way through, through our study of the book of Matthew, you will find that Jesus had an authoritativeness greater than any man. When he spoke to the crowds, he would say things like this. You have heard that it was said, but I 
tell to you. You see, he spoke and gave commands as if he was God. And if one is going to do that, he better back it up. Which brings us to our third reason for these miracles. To demonstrate his divinity. Psalm 146, verses 5 through 10. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. You see, the, the, the works that Jesus did were the works of God. The healings, the, the, the setting free from those who are captive by demons can only be done by God himself. These miraculous deeds by the hand of Christ are the activities of God and God alone. Now you may be thinking to yourself, but pastor, haven't other men done these same things? Didn't the apostles heal the sick? And even raise the dead? Didn't they cast out demons? Why, yes, they did. But only because Jesus gave to them such authority. Look at Matthew 10, verse 1. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Only God can delegate such things. Yet with Christ, there was no delegation needed, for Jesus is God. And finally, we come to the fourth reason why Jesus performed many miracles. And this one is, is probably the most important reason of them all. What Jesus was doing was asserting his authority over a fallen creation. In other words, he was, he was bringing about salvation by reversing the effects of sin. In order for a king to conquer a land, he must defeat his enemies. And the enemies of Christ are sin, death, and the devil. Matthew 12, verse 28. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It is because of original sin that, that sickness has come into this world. It is because of the, of the sin of Adam that, that Satan had gained so much control. But Jesus, when he entered the scene, he had struck the first blow. When he, when he faced the devil in the wilderness, he resisted his temptations. And now, 
Christ was exerting his authority by casting out demons and healing the sick. The king was advancing and he was bringing his kingdom with him. No disease could stop him. No power could get in his way. He, he preached good news that he was in charge. He was in control. And he demonstrated this might by the miracles that he performed. This king advanced both by his words and by his works. <clears throat> However, it was at the cross where the, the words and the works of our Lord found their true strength. You see, it, it didn't matter how many people Jesus had healed. For, for, for all those people would eventually die. And it didn't matter how many had believed his message for without a sacrifice that could take away their sins, they could never really be welcomed into the kingdom of God. The only way that this kingdom could have staying power was if the sins of the people had finally been dealt with. Christ had to die. Dear friends, the king advances on you as well. For it is your transgressions that keeps you out of his kingdom. It is your sinful nature that, that needs to be dealt with. But when Christ comes to you through the preaching of his word and the work of his Holy Spirit, he will claim you as his own by washing you with his blood. For all who, who repent and trust in this king, in his death on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins, and in his resurrection demonstrating that ultimate victory over sin, death, and the devil, for you who believe this message and turn to Jesus, you will find welcome into his kingdom and become a member of his army. The king advances on you. Repent and trust in him. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son. He is our king. And we are thankful both for his words and his works. For it is by, by his words that, that, that saving faith comes to us. And it is by the works of Christ that we can be declared as righteous. We ask now that your Holy Spirit guide us into all truth. We pray this in the name of our King. Jesus. Amen.